Hello, and welcome to Banking on Business with Sean Bisht. On today's podcast, I'll be talking with Ridoy Rahman, who is a principal consultant at Anzan International. He not only has the opportunity to work with some of the most seasoned professionals in the management consulting industry, but also headhunts potential individuals for companies seeking professionals. He is someone who I know can provide solid advice for those of you in the consulting business, and just an overall great guy who can talk about his own goals and motivations. Welcome to Banking on Business. Hi, Weirdoy. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Doing great, Sean. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to this. No problem. No problem. This is really good experience. I think this is really cool because this is the first time I've actually met a headhunter before and definitely something that I think everybody should know about what the experience is like, you know, headhunting, working for a management consulting company at the same time. I think this is something that a lot of the viewers out there will really understand and get because consulting is one of the bigger industries currently right now and it is growing. So I'm really pleased to have you on the show. Let's go ahead and start with some of the Uh, questions that I prepared today. And again, you know, this is really cool. I think having you on the show. So first one, without further ado, is you have worked in the consulting industry for the past four years. Um, I did a little snooping around in your LinkedIn page. And I think that's really cool that you were able to kind of rise through the ranks and you were able to, you're now a principal consultant, which is a pretty good, cool title. This actually, the past four years includes the era before the pandemic. A lot of things have changed and a lot of things have shifted in the time since. So what are some of the shifts or changes that you've seen in the past two years as we've both handled COVID-19 and its effects? And now that we're trying to get out of that space, what are some of the things that you're seeing change or stay the same in the consulting industry? That is a very loaded question without a doubt. Um, (laughs) Where where to begin? Where to begin? I think the biggest thing out of pre-COVID to during, and you know, I think we're towards the end of the tunnel here, but who knows with the different uh, variants, right? There is light at the end of the tunnel. We're definitely at that point. But the biggest um, shift, right, has to be without a doubt the, the travel requirement, right? Prior to COVID, it was almost always Monday to Thursday, 100% of the time. So 80% travel 100% of the time. During the pandemic, obviously, it's been 100% remote for every company. I don't think any company required, especially in the peak of the pandemic, never had no consultant had to be on site. The clients didn't feel safe. The consultants didn't feel safe. The companies didn't feel safe. Um, And obviously like the travel, um, like the airlines, they were down too, right? Yeah. The travel requirement being right now, vast majority of the clientele that I'm working with, they're either hundred percent remote or a hybrid model. Uh, I think um, I, I spoke to you about some of the big four, they're going towards the 60 to 50% model. Again, they don't know either. I remember towards the end of 2020, uh, when things were kind of getting back up, they were like, okay, mid 2021, everyone will be back on the road. Uh, come mid 2021, we had the one of the, vi- one of the variants, if you recall, the Delta right, right. or something was came up and Omicron, right? Or was that later? Yeah, Delta, Omicron. Oh you, yeah, yeah, Delta, Delta was pretty, was pretty bad. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, that. they were just like, oh, okay, you know what? 
never mind. So <laughs> that idea. I think travel is the number one portion and consulting will never be the same again. It'll be flexed, hybrid model, primarily remote. And the power is in the candidate's hand. It's the management consultants that are in charge right now. Uh, there's so many demands in across the industries, right? I think you've noticed my LinkedIn, healthcare, financial services, technology consulting. The needs are ridiculous. Someone doesn't want to travel. It's like, okay, we'll get you on the team and you'll travel minimum. That I've seen that a couple of times over the past this year, for sure, 2022. Yeah, no, that's uh, definitely something really cool. That's something that all the industries have kind of faced. I think in the consulting industry, it was more hit or it was hit harder because consulting is a very travel-oriented job. Certainly nowadays, the companies, I think Deloitte, not recently, but about six to seven months ago, actually announced that their UK division and most of their offices worldwide are now work at home friendly. So definitely there is an incentive for people to work at home. And something that I think you may be aware of too, is like most of the time clients are always trying to save on budgets. And a lot of the times companies have realized that if people work at home, then they're essentially saving on travel requirements and everything. So while traveling is encouraged, and you know, there are many projects that do benefit from a face-to-face environment, a lot of the times travel is not deemed necessary. And I've seen that happen. So it, it cuts both ways, I think. But definitely now that the model is kind of getting, we're getting used to a more post-COVID environment and world, I think it is better if we kind of pay attention also to how the traveling is done. So that's a that's a good, a good answer. And I really, I really uh, like the way you explained that. Uh, so the second part, right? So the second part of what you do, you do management consulting, you're a principal consultant, but the other part is, uh, is that you're a headhunter. So my question is very simple. What exactly does a headhunter do? And like what goes into evaluating or going through the checklist for a potential candidate. And if you would like to, you can share the story of your first placement, because I think hearing it from your perspective, we all know we can always expect to hear from the candidates expect uh, point of view, but it's rare that we get to hear from the headhunters point of view. So yeah, for sure. Uh, I think you've, I, I don't know if I would consider myself a management consultant. I'm more of a recruitment consultant slash headhunter. I think that's the best way to put it. I work with a lot of management consultants. That's more accurate. I I don't, I wouldn't consider myself not a management consultant, but yes, a headhunter, right? What a headhunter does, two things. One, we serve different clients uh, based on, you know, they, they could be a consulting firm. It could be an end client. Um, for example, it could be Morgan Stanley, JP Morgan. It could be a healthcare client, J&J, Pfizer, whatever their needs are. We fill in the gap. If someone needs, you know, insurance consultant, if someone needs a Salesforce consultant, uh, different companies have different specializations. I think we'll talk about my company a little bit later, but um, for the most part, a couple of years ago, I was doing a lot of work with cloud security consultants. My first placement was a cloud security consultant. This guy, um, he was out in Seattle. I cold called him actually. It was a cold call and you know, it was a very good conversation. He was biking and you know, I just caught him at a good time. We had a good chat. He sent over his resume, submitted him to the client, had his interviews, kind of got him through that, what, what to say, what not to say, uh, things of that nature. And then negotiated a good offer, a good base compensation, a good good sign-on bonus. And he ended up taking it. I mean, it was a eight-week process, but you know, that's I think that's the average. Usually it's four to even 12 weeks sometimes to from submitting the resume to start date. But yeah, having that placement and it was with the major major consulting firms that it just felt good cloud security at that time you know it was 
booming. Even now, I think um, if you keep up with the trends in the market, there's a lot of digital transformation happening within the past two years or so, especially with COVID, everyone working from home. Once you take your organization into the cloud, the next step is to secure it. If it's not secure, you don't want it to get hacked or anything like that. And then everything is compromised and um, it's multi-million dollar companies, multi-billion dollar, multi-billion dollar companies, right? So that's one story um, that I have. I think it's a great niche role, cloud security. And in terms of evaluating different, we have to evaluate both the client needs, right? What the client wants. Right, and exactly. Then, and, and then on the candidate side too, right? You catch different people in different parts of their career. I think of, I don't want to say a vast majority of the time. I think consulting is very is very binary. You either do it your entire career or four, five, seven years into consulting, you or even two years into consulting, you look uh, for an exit. You know, it's not for you. Binary meaning it's for you or it's not for you, whether it's two years into it, seven years into it, whatever. Getting the candidate at a good time to jump from one consulting firm to another firm or even talking about exit opportunities, what clients do they particularly like um just within healthcare financial services you know some people have target companies right um a, a, a lot of people that i talk to they're like oh google netflix you know the the fang uh, right uh, right everybody wants to go work i think there exactly, exactly. <laughs> and in my time what i found is since there's so much so many people want to join those firms they don't really work with headhunters or not to my knowledge uh, it's pretty tough to bring them on as a client because everyone's applying all the time. They have a high volume recruitment right, uh, right. drives all the time. And I, from, from what I know, their interview processes are very intense. Um, not that the consulting firm, they're not. Um, it's just a different level to, you know, the, the fan companies um, from what I'm aware of. And once you're in, I, I've spoken to a few people at, at Google, at Netflix, um, at Meta, especially at Google, people just love it there. So it's hard yeah. to pluck and it's just like, oh, we love Google. Yeah, no, for sure. I definitely know a couple of people as well who have made the switch or who were able to get into Google. It's definitely, it is definitely not the case that these companies are better than other companies. It is just that there's more weight given. And I think what you, when you were talking about difficulty, getting into consulting, getting into any industry, I think is very difficult because you have to not play the game, but you have to kind of accommodate yourself for the companies, right? So you have to learn certain things. You have to be specialized in certain areas, right? I mean, you cannot be this kind of an out of the blue question thing, but like you cannot be specializing in biomedical, in the biomedical industry and then go for like a computer science finance kind of thing. It's like, but the good thing about consulting is that you can always find a certain fit for your skill set. And I think that applies for all industries. It's just that, like you said, with the FANG uh, companies, it's on a different level. It's more challenging because there are a lot of people vying for the same position. So you have to kind of stand out. That's actually pretty cool that you mentioned that. Um, and I think that goes to show that headhunters really do help. There is a certain kind of satisfaction you do get from helping people, even if it's through like a 12-week process, getting from the start to finish and getting them to join a new company with better benefits. Um, that, that must be very satisfying for you to see that happen and to see people uh, benefit from this. Yeah, personally speaking, it's it, it's very uh, beneficial and just like it, it it makes me happy to understand different situations, whether it's the candidate side or the or the client side, right? And these people, um, certain people, I, it's it's like a long relationship. Like um, the person that I spoke to, my first placement, I'm still in touch with him. I you know I check in on him here and there just to see how he's doing. Like you said earlier, I think you mentioned something about it's not being a game, but maybe you know I I don't know if you've read um the Infinite Game by uh, Simon Sinek. I think it we could kind of bring that into this. Conversation 
conversation uh, as far as candidates being players, right? And I'm trying to get one player from one team to join another team, similar to a game in that sense, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I definitely understand what you mean. I, I've heard of Simon Sen. He's a pretty uh, influential, pretty uh, smart person. I've not heard of the book, but I'll definitely give it a check. It's called The Infinite Game, correct? Yes, The Infinite, infinite Game, game. The infinite Mindset, one or the other, but it, it's a spectacular book. One of my favorite reads. Um, for sure. I think, no, I, I definitely think you're right on about that because especially you've seen even before the pandemic, I don't know if you knew, but like the average life, not average lifespan, the average uh, stay of an employee at a company was like 1.9 years. It is rapidly decreasing. There's a lot of competition most of the time, right? A lot of the times people want to switch, but they're either afraid or they don't have the right resources. So definitely having like someone like you, right? Someone who's definitely looking at the market all the time, uh, accommodating different clients to different companies, getting them to the right people, right? And getting the people to accept and, you know, be comfortable with the process. I think that's pretty good. That's a pretty cool thing. And a lot of, and I think your job is pretty beneficial because a lot of the times, and I've been in that scenario where it seems impossible to get out out of a current situation or maybe you want to change maybe everything is good but you want to change it into a different industry but it's too daunting for you but definitely having headhunters help you out is very good and very beneficial so that's a pretty good job that you do i think uh, it's plot worthy um Going into another, uh, this is something I want to explore because in this podcast, I want to explore both, like I said, the business side and the human side of people. So uh, this is delving into uh, a bit about what are your hobbies like? And you mentioned, first of all, that you like, I assume you're a very good reader, right? You you like to read, you like to definitely accrue knowledge that way. But what are some of your hobbies um, that you feel either benefit you or you just enjoy doing um, on the side? That's a, that's a great question. I think hobby, one of my biggest hobby, uh, it's just hitting the gym. I mean, I'm not like a super big lifter and just trying to get big or anything. Right. Like it's just something for my mento. It's uh, I, I work out most mornings, especially like weekdays. I, it's almost like my religion. I, I get up pretty early. Um, I found that earlier I get up, the more productive I am. So I've, I've been doing, you know, around like five, five 30, depending on the day and then hitting the gym from about six to seven around there. Um, that's, I don't know if that's a hobby or more like a, pro, a, a productivity hack. It just makes me, you know, it, what is it? You, it releases dopamine or um, endorphins once you're Whoa, in the gym. Oh, you're, you're loading a lot of scientific knowledge on me. No, <laughs> no, you're, yeah. you're definitely right. I think, um, and just because I'm curious, I find it difficult to even work out like in midday. How do you, um, you say you get up and you feel like you're the most productive in the morning. How do you actually like, is this uh, like a lifelong habit that you've been able to wake up early or is it like job oriented or how does, how does that go into, how do you plan your day? That's a, that. that's a very, very good question. Um, I wish it was a lifelong habit. It's just something <laughs> uh, I've always liked to get up early and I've, I've had a great work ethic even back in high school. Um, I mean, I played football um, and I went to a, a great school that was pretty academically uh, challenging or, and, and demanding from, from a high school level. And I live in the Bronx and it's in Brooklyn. So the commute wasn't um, a walk in the park is an hour commute. So I've always had that work ethic. Um, when it comes to the gym, it's just, uh, it's, it's something for my mento just to, um, you know, have me focus. And, and in the mornings when I'm in the gym, it's just, I prep for the day. It's not something I've been doing all four years since I've been doing recruitment, but in, in 2020, that's when it really started. And then after the pandemic, 
um, I don't know, man. It starts the night before. It's with that intention, like, hey, I need to get to bed at a certain time. Uh, I remember in my younger days, I, I've tried to do things like, hey, I'll stay up late and I'll get up early. And that's unrealistic. That just doesn't happen. So these days I um, plan out like, okay, I'll be in bed by 10, 1030, absolute latest. Uh, and then I can get up at 5, 530, no problem as opposed to in my earlier and, and younger days, you know, I was staying up to 1, 2 a.m. doing absolutely nothing <laughs> and then struggling to get up at 7 or, or 7.30 to get to the office by 9. There's that, but um, it's mental. And uh, like I said, noticing that difference, I, I actually have a mentor of mine. Um, that's how he starts his day. He, he gets up early. He's a mentor and he's someone I look up to. And uh, That's cool. That's cool. I think that's a very good explanation as to how you are able to get up. Definitely having someone else as a motivation, that's that's a pretty clear cut reason. It's a pretty good reason why. That actually leads me uh, to ask because you mentioned it. Um, is there a person? So you've mentioned that there was a mentor. Um, has this person been with you uh, through most of your professional life? Is it is it someone um, you know that has kind of guided you or mentored you? Um, I'm just kind of curious as to how because I think having a mentor in a industry in any industry is very important. So would you like to talk about you know that person and what he or she has done for you? For sure, for sure. I have, I have two mentors that I look up to. Um, one of them, I work with them directly. He's the one that got me into recruitment. He's very energetic. Um, again, he also hits the gym in the morning and he's super successful. Just his energy and his, his knowledge. He's, he's been in, in recruitment and headhunting for over 10 years. Uh, very successful and, you know, different clientele, different books of businesses. He's, he's just super, um, for lack of words, he's super dope. That's just the best way I can put it. Um, hopefully that's not too unprofessional. And then uh, another person, yeah, also in the recruitment game, he's also been over, been uh, doing headhunting for over 10 years. And yeah, he's also very successful. Uh, he has a family as well, big family man. He's been in the game for about 15 years. And, you know, they're, they're a bit different, but at the end of the day, they're very successful and well versed in recruitment uh, in the industry and not only do they know different clientele and candidates they're also known like people know who they are and that's one of my end goals it's it's, it's to be known right uh it's not about who you it's, it's not about what you know but who you know but also who knows you and i think that's very important yeah no exactly i think that's definitely important um especially in in this kind of uh, world that we live in, it is important to have someone to look up to or to have someone who is definitely ready to guide you and mentor you because you can only learn, right? And I think that's the best way you, if you act like a sponge, right? Just soak up all as much knowledge and experience as possible. The more mentors you have, the better, or the more people you connect with, the better. So that's pretty cool. Uh, that's pretty cool that you mentioned that. That leads me to the next question I have is, is there a certain book or movie that has kind of impacted you in a way that your personal and your professional life has been affected. So I know you mentioned uh, the infinite game uh, by Simon Sinek earlier. Is there, is that a book or is there another book or movie or something like fun that inspires you to kind of live life, you know, in a fun way, in a productive way um, or anything like that, or that has maybe made your professional life more um, productive and better. In any way yeah, that's a great question sean great question in my professional and my personal life i look for intersectionalities right things that overlap and one of the best books that do that is um relentless by tim grover he was a coach a uh, personal trainer slash coach for michael jordan and kobe bryant 
And he has a lot of different principles that apply not only to sports, but also to business and life as well. Relentless by Tim Grover has to be one of the best books that I've read and influenced me heavily in my professional and personal life. Kobe Bryant being my favorite player of all time. Think and Grow Rich. I think that's that's a book that a lot of people, you know, read or just know about. It's the power of spoken word, thoughts or things. And, you know, you should be aware of what you think about. And, you know, the power of manifestation. I think that's, that's big as well. Movies. Oh, that's very interesting. I'm a huge moviegoer, the Dark Knight series. Uh, I don't know if they've influenced me, but um, yeah, maybe not the Dark Knight series. Thanos, I really like Thanos um, in, in, in Marvel. Funny enough, I, I've always more more so related to the villains. <laughs> And, and seeing him succeed and, you know, balancing and, you know, he's everyone's the hero in their story, right? Even villains. Thanos is definitely someone, I don't say I look up to him, but I, I, I understood his cause, what he was trying to do. But yeah, maybe they're the Wolf of Wall Street, but, you know, just for purely motivational purposes, I don't do any of that kind of things. Yeah, that was, that was great. Tom Hardy's my favorite actor. So any movie that he's in, I, I really like. Oh, nice. So you you probably saw the Venom films, correct? Yes, yes. Uh, it was okay. I wasn't a huge. It was okay. I, I saw it just because uh, Tom Hardy was in it. Um, m- more of a Spider-Man fan. Toby Maguire. Uh, you know, I think. Nice, nice. Toby Maguire. He was the OG for me, actually. I mean, I like. Uh, I like. Yeah, no, I like Tom Holland and uh, Andrew Garfield. They definitely did the best. But for me, like, I think the OG is definitely Toby Maguire, uh, Spider-Man Two. I don't know if any of you out there watched that, but. Toby Maguire is perhaps the OG Spider-Man. Always will be. <laughs> yeah, he is. And he, yes, sir. He always will be. Yeah, no. No, that's pretty good. I think it's interesting that you mention the villains. And uh-huh. it's 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 interesting, right? Because I think a lot of the times that's what that's what movies are for, right? Movies are not necessarily one-dimensional or two-dimensional in any way. They're supposed to be analyzed and they're supposed to. And I think a lot of a lot of the the things about superhero films, right? I think a lot of them think like I think Martin Scorsese once mentioned they're like, you know, theme park rides, right? But I think a lot of the times they do bring some focus, right? So the Infinity Saga with Thanos and seeing him win, right? That's something I guess a lot of people weren't expecting, but that's interesting that they brought that in because even though that sets it up for another film and Disney will make another billion dollars or whatnot, I think it's interesting to show the different sides, right? What if the villain wins? What if? That is a very big question. And that applies to life as well. I mean, I'm sure I'm reading far into it than you may have (laughs) mentioned it, but definitely looking at things from different points of view, that's definitely good. And I, I, I think it's amusing that you mentioned Wolf of Wall Street because I think when that came out, a lot of my friends were like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going into uh, uh, investment banking now in the Wall Street. I'm like, oh, OK, OK, OK. Yeah, yeah, I believe that. I believe that. <laughs> but uh, no, th- that's pretty good. And again, you know, I'm going to reiterate this. Tobey Maguire is the OG. No matter. Always has been. Always will be. <laughs> but uh, no, that's pretty cool. Uh, that you mentioned that and that's really that's that's really shows how three-dimensional people are right it's not just business or it's not just about living life it's about a melding of the two that's why there's a thing called work-life balance um that's definitely something that's interesting so moving on actually there are a couple there's just a couple of other things i want to talk about um i noticed that in your linkedin you actually have a lot of experience in just even in in like when you're headhunting, you're getting to know management consultants. You're working with them on a daily basis, right? And you know you work with them from big four to any any company, really, any consulting company. I noticed that you actually have a lot of 
connections and a lot of experience in different fields. So just to name a few, right, like financial services, healthcare, consulting, Salesforce, the cloud, even if you may not be working on particular projects, you are still able to reach out and get to know people, right? And you have to, I'm assuming you have to have some knowledge, right, on, on what it is to be like um, to be in one industry to another. So there are the two questions I have actually are, what would you, what is, what is some advice that you would give to someone who is like focusing on one vertical, right? So let's say someone is in financial consulting, but he wants to continue delving into that and not change different industries. What would you, what advice would you have for that person if you wanted to continue delving into his own industry? I hope I made that question make sense. Uh, Please let me know if I didn't. Yes, yes, of course. I think what you're saying is if they're doing, you know, one thing, if it's, whether it's the industry side or the technology side, if they're doing Salesforce, should they stick to just Salesforce or look into other technologies? Or if they're, they're doing financial services, should they look into like one area of FS, right? It's so big. Uh, for example, should they just go into banking and just stay there, go into payments and just stay there or insurance, right? And exactly, exactly. Question, I think in the beginning, uh, I would, I would have like the first two to four years in consulting, I think it's best for the consultant to get their hands dirty and work in different types of projects, right? And granted, you want to stay in consulting for the long run. That's just just an assumption of this uh, particular candidate here. Uh, Two to four years, delve into different industries. If you're doing just financial services, uh, going to different areas of financial services, you go to insurance, capital markets, payment, uh, just name a few. And then once you have two to four years, then you want to delve into one, you know? Because you can get even deeper within, you know, you could do banking and capital markets and there are different types of banking. You could do commercial banking, right? You could do retail banking, whether it's digital transformations, and then just delve into it even more, right? You could do insurance and delve into different areas of insurance, PNC, life and annuities. You know, you can just delve into it so much more. And you want to do that once you're four or five years in, because as you climb up the ranks, you want to be more of an SME. That's what helps you stand out. When you're a manager, senior manager, you need to be a subject matter expert in your field because that's what you're paid to be right you can't be the best if you're not an like a true expert you would need to be that down the line for sure i hopefully that answer makes sense uh just to reiterate in the beginning of your career jump around do different things and then find what you truly like and then dive into it and become the best become an sme so you can take your career to different heights whether at your current firm or another firm specialization is key in consulting right and i think that's a very interesting thing that you mentioned that a lot of people may not know this right? It is very straightforward, actually, in any company to grow uh, from one title to another. So for consulting, it's like analyst to consultant to senior consultant, then it is, I think, principal, senior principal, then partner, etc. A lot of the times, though, we don't understand this, but you are also learning, you're also growing experience. And that's why my next question actually was related to getting becoming a jack of all trades. But it seems like it is recommended more or less that in this, especially in this industry, you should be focusing on one thing, right? I think that's your be- your advice is to better like focus on one thing and build experience into that, correct? Or can you be a jack of all trades in consulting and like have multiple different interests? My honest advice would be, you know, from a um, from a happiness perspective, right? If I I believe true success is happiness, right? If it makes you happy to you know be a jack of all trades and do a little bit of this, little bit of that, and you want to remain a senior consultant or a consultant your whole career or just even up to manager, right? And 
I think that's perfectly fine as long as it makes you happy and you're looking to become a jack of all trades. Uh, maybe one vertical though, it would be hard to be, you know, a healthcare consultant, NFS consultant, who knows, maybe someone's very um, ambitious and they can go from industry to industry, being a generalist their entire career. I haven't really come across those people yet, but I'm not saying they don't exist. But if it makes someone happy to stay, uh, stay different and do different things, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't, advise against it. I don't think that's what I would do. But if you do want to be the best at what you do, specialization is key. You would need to get delve into it, uh, whether it's healthcare, financial services. But again, just to reiterate, it's all about happiness for me, I think. Do what makes you happy. So yeah. And even if that's an exit from consulting, if that makes you happy, you have my, uh, I I think it's good to do what makes you happy. Yeah, I think that's pretty sound advice. I think as we kind of look back and we see a lot of the people's careers in consulting, right? It is it is definitely about doing what makes you happy. And that that's such a pretty interesting note to kind of wrap up on because learning is a journey. And I think a lot of the times, especially in my eyes, and I'm sure you've seen this as well, learning is a journey that is kind of unaffected. It's kind of unaffected most of the time by, you know, the outside environment. So like with COVID, you had a lot of people who stayed at home, continued to learn, did a lot of courses. I think I'm forgetting which company it was. I think it was a, it's a reputable like notes company or like an online education. I cannot, I cannot recall the name of it, but essentially they experienced a ton of revenue and a ton of growth because a lot of people were just staying at home and trying to figure out what to do. So they turned to learning things. Right. And I I think you've heard of Khan Academy, right? Yes. Khan Academy. Khan Academy for me was like a central element when I was in middle school, high school just learning different things and it was completely free right so that kind of makes you wonder um about learning so the point what i'm trying to make is that ridoy is absolutely right even in an industry even in industries that are supposedly very like focused and everything you can always add on more things to learn and i think that's really cool um, to focus on but that actually wraps it up for this episode um i wanted to thank you ridoy for making the time to join me I think I definitely learned a lot and I hope there was someone out there who, at least one person out there who learned something either about consulting, about what headhunters are, or just about how to manage your time and manage your interests and turn that into something real. So thank you again, Ridoy. Uh, I appreciate the time. Is there any last minute questions or last minute things you just want to say before we wrap up? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to give the listeners, you know, where to find me or or contact with me if they, if they if they want to. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm on I'm on LinkedIn. You could um I'm I'm sure there'll be a link to my profile. Correct. Uh, but I'm I'm also on Twitter as well. My handle is Vidoy for Rahmana. That's my handle on Twitter. Twitter and LinkedIn are the two things that I definitely use for uh, professional. So you can find me there. That's great. That's great. And be sure to follow Vidoy. He's again like a really cool person. Just I think we uh we just met randomly or, you know, out of the blue. But that's the thing about life, right? I think if you continue to work, continue to learn, you will definitely find many opportunities and getting to know Ridoy and, you know, us talking back and forth. I've definitely learned a lot of things. So thank you, Ridoy. I really appreciate your time. Really appreciate you um, just providing a lot of knowledge and being a really cool person. So thank you again for joining. And this wraps it up for this episode. Like I said, Ridoy, you are full. I'll link, put a link to his profile in the post link when I publish this episode. Uh, Thank you all for tuning in and uh, hopefully you have a great rest of the day. Thank you very much. Bye. Arshan, you too. Thank you.